Heavenly Father, I thank you as we have sat in your presence already this morning. It's not dependent on the words that we have to say. There's a peace that goes beyond what we understand and surpasses what we think we understand. Knowing that where you are, we are okay. So Lord, as we begin to practice your presence today, I ask that you would help us do that very thing. We want to hear, Father, from the living and from the written word today. And would you allow our hearts to not only hear your Son and your words, but would you help us be captured by them? It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen. Take your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 12. We'll be there in just a couple moments. Mark chapter 12. I want to share with you a message this morning that you have already heard. I've not preached this message to you, but what I'm going to say, the crux of what I'm going to say, you have heard it before. In fact, for many of you, you've not only heard me say it, you've heard other pastors tell you what we're going to talk about today. You've heard other speakers talk about the truth that we're going to look at today. You've read other authors and their writings about what we're talking about today. You've even heard other artists sing about what it is we're going to talk about today. So what we're going to dive into over the next couple of minutes is something that most of you, maybe not all of you, but most of you have already received. You've got it. But the question today is not, did you get it? The thing I want us to focus in on is this truth that we're talking about today. Has it gotten you? Now, that's not a riddle. I want you to just think about this for a second. It's one thing to get a piece of information. It's one thing to get a truth. It's one thing to file it away in your, your spiritual filing cabinet in your brain and say, okay, I think I got that. I can check that off the list. It's a totally different thing for that truth to get you, for it to consume you, for it to saturate you, for it it to totally ooze into every part of your being. So this morning, in an attempt to help us not get something new, not hear something for the first time, if it is your first time, that's great, you chew on it with us, but for many, many, many of us, we've heard this before, the, the intent this morning is to not get it but to be gotten by it. So to help us do that, I want to maybe do some things that may seem a little bit strange today. I may use some teaching tactics that may seem a little bit unusual or different today. Now I want to make clear about something. I'm not doing this to entertain you. I'm not doing this to to help make you laugh. I'm not doing this to to capture your attention in some way. I want us to not only be caused to learn, I believe God wants us to be in a position where we have no excuse, we can't get away from what it is He is saying to us and what He has for us. So as we do that together today, we're going to do a couple of things a little bit different today. That's okay. I want to invite you to participate in the message with me. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to have you turn to the person next to you, in front of you, behind you, or left or right. And I want you to ask them a question. I want you to listen to what they say. And then you do that t- together. We- we've done that before. Now, some of you, when we do this, I see it on your face. You love it. Others, you hate it. I can see it. I know. It's okay. But we'll be all right together. Remember, this is not something just to try to get you uncomfortable. I want us to participate in what it is that God has for us today. So I have a question for you. I want you to think about it. I want you to ask it to your neighbor around you and talk for just a couple seconds together. 
what is one thing that you have, that you own, that you probably should have gotten rid of by now, but if you're honest, maybe you'll never ever get rid of it. But what is one thing that you own, you have, it probably should have been sold, it probably should have been thrown out, it should have, probably should have been done away with, but, but you still have it, and if you're honest, who knows how much longer you will have it. You have it with you, maybe for a long time. So find someone around you, to your left or your right, ask them that question, what's one thing you have that you still own, maybe should have gotten rid of, but, but maybe you'll keep it for a long time. Take 13 seconds to finish your story and then switch. All right, if you haven't switched yet, go ahead and switch. Find out what the other person has to say. You know the drill by now. If you're done with the question, just awkwardly stare at each other or someone else in the eyes. Try that. It'll be, that'll be very awkward. really fun. I like watching Vicky and her mom awkwardly stare each other in the eyes. It's really good. I'm not sure what it is you just heard or what you just shared or what you were thinking of, but what came to my mind when I was looking at this question again earlier this week, I can think of some boxes in my attic that have made the move with me through three different moves over 16 years that have yet to be opened. And I've heard it said that if you have something for a couple of years and you don't use it, you don't need it. I, I, haven't, I haven't used it. I probably don't need it. I'm probably not going to get a, a, a away from it. It's probably just going to travel with me the rest of my life. It's just probably what it is. I also thought of some, some T-shirts that I have from high school. They no longer fit. They're way too big. <laughs> just kind of fun to say. <laughs> They're way too small. They don't fit. I have no need for them, but I like them. I say, I still hang them up in the closet. I'm going to keep them around me. I don't know why. I probably should get rid of them, but, but I have them. It's something I don't need. I probably should have gotten rid of a long time ago, but, but I'm hanging on to it, and I might hang on to it for the rest of my life. We're going to see in a few moments how that question has anything to do with what we're talking about. But I, I want to connect it to one more question for us. It's one I want you just to think about, not to ask the person next to you. How much of God do you want? What does it have to do with the other question? We'll figure that out together. We'll get there in just a minute. But, but think about this. How much of God do you want? You know you can have as much of God as you want. As much of Him as you want. As much of God as you want. How much of God do you want? Another way to ask this question is, uh, how zealous are you for God? Do you have a zeal for God? Do you have a hunger for God? Do you want more and more of God? Now, to be clear about this this morning, I don't mean just being any old kind of zealous. I don't just mean that you're kind of a religious fanatic. You can be zealous about keeping the rules. You can be fervent debater and argue your way from this theological position to that theological position. You can be a great defender of what is true and still not be zealous for God and still not want more and more of God. You may want more and more of something else. You may be zealous for something else, but you may not have a hunger for God himself. What then is true zeal for God? Jesus made it pretty clear in Mark 12. Take your Bible, look with me at Mark 12, 
verse 30 and 31 in your device or your Bible. Look with, at it with me. Jesus made it pretty clear. It's giving all your energy and enthusiasm to God's right cause. Jesus said this, Love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the second greatest commandment. Is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. Well, what does it look like to have a true zeal for God? If you'd like to take notes, that's that first blank there. What does it look like to have a true zeal for God? Well, this isn't rocket science. It's pretty simple, not always easy, but it's pretty simple. It's pretty clear. It's not complex. It's simply this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Now, I've told you that most in this room, you have already heard this before. Most in this room, you have taught on it, or you have read on it, or you've heard songs sung about it. You've heard sermons preached on it. You've heard talks given about it. You've heard it over and over and over again. And I'm not so concerned today with more what or or more how, but I want us to look at the who of this and the why of this and begin to chew on this fact and not say, did I get the truth, but has this truth gotten me? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. What does that mean if I love God with all of my heart? What does it mean if I love God with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength? I love Him with every ounce of my being, with every part. There's nothing divided in me. I'm wholly, solely focused on Him and loving Him. And when I love Him, I obey Him. When I love Him, I am with Him. And it's this all-consuming type of love. Second part, just as simple, and I'm not saying it's easy, but just as clear, just as simple, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the Scripture says. That's this command. When Jesus was put to the test and they said, okay, let's trick him. What's the most important thing? We'll show you how schooled we are. We'll show you how good we are. What's the most important thing? He's saying, hey, hey, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if these words are not extra complex, they're pretty simple. I'm not saying they're easy, but they're pretty simple, pretty clear. Maybe we need to ask, do we really live like that if this is how clear jesus was of what's most important we could ask ourselves: is this evident in my life when was the last time that you even thought about a neighbor let alone loved a neighbor well who is my neighbor technically kind of sounds like somebody else in scripture and forget the last time you loved a neighbor when's the last time you loved a neighbor the way you love yourself well, that's pretty easy, Brady. I don't like myself, so I don't have to like anybody else. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not saying you may have a healthy self-love. You need to have a healthy self-love and a healthy self-confidence in the Lord. But even if that's absent, I, I may not have confidence in your, your healthy self-love, but I have pretty confidence in the enemy and the selfishness he puts in our heart and the natural bent towards get what I want, how I want it now. And it's very easy. No one has to teach you to look out for number one and make sure your feelings are validated and make sure everything that you want happens, those thoughts come out. When was the last time you thought of a neighbor the way you think about yourself? Jesus said, 
These are the two most important things. To help us get at this scripture today, to help us unpack the depths of what Jesus is saying, to help us not just get something, but to examine, have we been gotten by this teaching we've heard many, many times before? I want to ask you another question, not that you would ask your neighbor this, but I want you to ask yourself mentally this. Do you sip? Do you splash? Or do you soak? Do you sip up God? Do you splash around God? Or do you soak up God? Soak in God? When I think about these biblical truths, I'm a simple man with a simple mind, and sometimes I need simple word pictures. And I want to be clear about something. I'm going to tell a couple stories today. There's no power in man's story. There's only power in God's word. But Jesus himself decided to use sticks, mud, pigs, spit to get his point across. And so we're going to use, well, we won't use those today, but we'll use some other things that may fall in line with just as worthless as those. But I think God may want to help us with it. How many of you have ever had Verners before? Let me see your hand. I just need to know. Okay, wonderful. Hands down. How many have never, ever had Verners before? Raise your hand. I've got a pack up here. You can come get a can later. I'm not allowed to drink this stuff anymore, but it's amazing. Now, I, I, I'll never forget, I was in uh, Ohio, and I had a friend named Jim, and Jim and I worked together. We, we, our families were friends. We spent a lot of time together. We ministered together. We would play golf together. We would camp together, all these things. We would go out to eat together, all these things. But one day, I recognized a tragic truth. Jim had never, ever had Verner's. I thought, this is, this is ridiculous. How could he not have this? He didn't even know what it was. And, and so I had a, a pack with me, and I had a can. I said, Jim, you need to try Verner's. It is amazing. He said, I don't really like ginger ale. I said, no, you don't understand. You've not had ginger ale until you've had Verner's. If you're from Michigan, you understand this. I'm not, but I'm imported in, and it's been impacted on me, and I'm, I'm, I'm singing the song now. And, and so I said, Jim, and he says, well, just give me a little sip of it. I said, well, Jim, no, 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 I, I got a can for you. He goes, no, I, I don't think I'm going to like it. Just give me a little bit of sip of, of that. I said, Jim, I love you, but that's nasty. I'm not going to drink after you. You can't have any mind. I love my wife. I'll kiss my wife, but I'll never, ever drink after my wife. That's gross. You know me better than that, Jim. I'm not going to do that. That's nasty. Here, I've got a whole can for you. I want you to take this. So he pops the top, and because he was convinced he wasn't going to like it, he's going to take a little sip, and he does this kind of sip. Not just to dribble in, it's to... Breathe in. Now, if you've ever had burners and you try to breathe in and drink at the same time, anybody had that happen? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Be bold about it. If you've ever had that, raise your hand. Okay? If not, I've got a can for you after service. I'd like to watch you try. <laughs> it takes your breath away. <clears throat> it's strong. So Jim takes a sip and a little bit goes in his mouth. <laughs> he coughs. It goes up his nose. It's coming out his nose. He says, this stuff is nasty. It's too strong. And he never, ever drank it again. I ask you the question, are you... Sipping up God. For some of us, when we approach a passage of Scripture like this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, we look and say, yeah, I love God. God and I are cool. A couple times a year, Christmas, Easter, get a little bit of sip of God. <coughs> so much so, I get that tingle. It comes up my nose. Ah, <coughs> too strong. I've had enough. That's all I need of God. I got my God fixed. Others of us, I get a little bit of God at a wedding. I get a little bit of God at a funeral. I get a little bit of God at a certain high point in my life. I, I remember way back then, back a long time ago, when this happened and that happened, whoo, God was good, but uh, I don't need a lot. A little bit goes a long way with me. Friend, 
Just like I told my friend Jim, Jim, Verner's was never intended to be sipped. You've got to gobble it down. You've got to take the whole thing down. It's a wonderfulness all over your tongue. Take it in. God is not designed to be sipped. He's not designed for you to pick and choose what little piece of him that you want. It's not designed for you to taste a little bit and see how it compares in your palate to other things you've experienced. God will take your breath away. (coughs) I don't know if I can do that. You'll find moments where you go, oh my goodness, I can't believe God would say that. God would, God would do that. God would not do this. Where's God? And, and we look at this greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And we go, well, yeah, I do that, but wait, wait a minute. We are sipping God, and, and I love you enough, friends, not to holler at you, but to tell you the truth. If you're sipping God, you don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, you may love Him a little bit. But it's, He's never intended the life He's created for you to live to just be sipped a little bit of Jesus one moment at a time. So here's what happens. Some of us squarely are here today. We're hearing a teaching that many of us have heard many, many, many times before. If this is your first time, don't feel bad. The others, they've heard it so long, they maybe have not been gotten by it. But we can catch it today. I'm not asking you to think, have I ever heard this scripture before? I'm not asking you to think, well, is that something brand new? No, I'm asking you, has this truth captured your life? A little bit of it. (laughs) You're right. God's good. Love my neighbor. You know you're in this camp. If you find yourself looking at other people and say, I have no idea why they're into God so much. I mean, I believe in them and everything. I just... I just can't tolerate church. I just can't tolerate religious things. I just can't tolerate that friend. My heart goes out to you. I've choked on trying to take in my own things and take in God at the same time too. You've got to fully commit and just take all of Him with you. For some of us, it's, it's, it's not where we get stuck at sipping. Some of us, we splash around God. Many of our teens have been at camp and... Uh, I'm so thankful that our kids, our students, have been at camp this week. I've been praying for them. I've been praying that God would call some to full-time ministry. I've been praying that God would bring salvation to their heart. I've been praying that God would bring sanctification to their heart. Many of us have made major decisions for the Lord, and He's worked in our life at camp, and I love it, and I've been praying for it, and I'm expecting to hear good reports on that. But i got to confess, I was also thinking that maybe some of them would have experienced some practical jokes as well at camp. I loved that about camp. One of my favorite things to do when I was at camp is, is I would take the shower heads <laughs> at camp and uh, I would take them off. And if you would unscrew them just right, if you brought the, the, the necessary items of some powdered Kool-Aid and you pour that in there and you screw it back on and you put it back up on the faucet, the next guy who comes in the shower after you, it's a wonderful thing. Purple rain everywhere. They scream like a girl. They have no idea what's happening. Oh, it's a joyous thing. And I love a practical joke like anybody else, but none of those compare to my favorite one that I do at least two or three times a year. I've got to space it out because I can't do it back to back or people will begin to expect it. I love this. Love it, love it, love it. I love to take a glass of cold water. Now, I don't mean like the little tiny glass you keep your toothbrush in in the bathroom. That's useless. I don't even know why we have those. I mean a man-sized glass. Get the biggest one you have in your kitchen. You fill it up with ice cold water. And when my wife, when she takes a shower, the shower curtain's pulled. She doesn't know I'm there. 
I'll go in. Oh, I love it. It's so great. Every time it never gets old. And I will throw it over the top of the shower curtain, douse her with cold water. She screams. It makes me laugh. I love it. It's my favorite joke. It's amazing. If you have too much romance in your marriage, you could try this. It would bring it down a notch or two. It's amazing. I love it. Now, I got to tell you something. It's not funny if it happens to me. It's happened once or twice, and I lay down the law. This will not happen in our house. I can dish it out, but I cannot take it. I love this joke. It's my favorite. I'll do it again. I'm going to see if I can get it done this week, even though I talked about it in the church, and see if I can surprise her. I will do it, but I will never be okay with it happening to me. Oh, that's true, by the way. Some of us, we think about loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, We just like to splash around God. Oh, we don't want it to get on us. We love to give our opinions to somebody else. Should have put water in that. It would have been made better, wouldn't it? We love to put our judgment on somebody else. It's great. I love it. Love to give my advice. Your life's messed up. Come here. I'd love to talk to you. Take a little bit of God. Get it on you. But don't you dare put that on me. Because when I'm having a tough time, it's it's this horrible, horrible thing. When you're having a tough time, just trust God. Now, I don't want it to get on me. See, some of us, when we look at love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's not that we've never, ever heard it before. It's not that we've never understood it. To be honest, I'm not even going to spend time talking about how we do this. We know how to do some of these things. The question is, I just want to splash around in the stuff of God. I don't really intend it to get on me. I don't. I believe it enough, I want it to get on you. God help us, there's a lot of people in the church who even are in positions like me. Who teach and preach and share and lead. Who love to, to give these things, but does it ever come back on us? Do, do we love to tell our family what to do? We love to tell others what to do, give them advice and all those things. But do we ever let the, the, the water of the Lord on us? Friend, you may like to make waves. But if you ever, never ever like to get in and swim, you're just splashing around the things of God. Much as I love you, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Not only if you just sip up God, if you splash around God, you don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I know, I've heard it before. I'm not after you hearing it for the first time. I'm after you asking the question, is this true in my life? Has it gotten me? We could also soak the presence of God. Never forget, I was in Ohio, same where, where my friend Jim was with the Verners, that whole deal, and we were, my wife and I were getting ready to purchase our first home. We'd done all the research we could and looking for all the things that we needed and things that we didn't need, and, and we came down to the, the, to the end of the search, and we think we found what looked really good in the description of the house. It listed all the things that it had and had the things that we needed, and also said it had a hot tub. My wife was done praying at that moment. She said, it's got to be God's will. This is amazing. And, and when I saw that, I thought, oh, I don't want a hot tub. I had visions of this being a money pit. I had visions of no one ever using this thing. I had visions of moths growing over this hot tub and turtles and frogs would make it their habitat and it would just be this nasty thing. We could never ever sell the house because this, this pit of a hot tub. And, and, but yet we felt God called us to, to buy this house and we went into this house and, and I got to tell you, I was wrong. I loved that hot tub. 
I was in that thing every single night. I don't know if you've ever been in a hot tub. I don't mean just like something at the hotel that's got like 29 gallons of, of chlorine. I mean one that's your own. It's your own germs. It's nobody else's germs. I can't stand there. You get in your own, and oh, it's so good. They, they tell me safely you can put these things at, at 102 degrees. I found a way to get mine to 105. Oh, it was amazing. It would just cook my guts out. And, and it was so good. Now, if you get a hot tub, you don't get a hot tub to just soak your, your feet in it. It's ridiculous. Kate wanted to have her friends over. She wanted to, to splash. We don't need to know no splashing in Dad's hot tub. First it was Carrie's, now it's mine. <laughs> it, you, you get down in the thing. You soak in it. <laughs> you, you relax in it. And, uh, oh, why don't we just take about an hour? Didn't matter how... I can see you, Jim. Did, it didn't matter... How much my muscles hurt. Get it over the right jet. Put your back over the right jet. You just soak. Everything would begin to relax. That chemical or chlorine or whatever you put in begins to soak into your pores. You look at your fingers and that 105 degree bubbling, boiling bath is now made your fingers look like prunes and, and you get out and you're as red as a lobster. And I remember this, I would do that every night. I would go up to the bedroom and I would get in bed and Carrie would say, you stink like the hot tub. It's all over you. Take a shower. I would go to work the, the next day. Sometimes I would go in the morning and get in the hot tub and I'd go to work. And my friend Jim, who worked down the hall from me, he said, you've been in the hot tub? I said, yeah, how do you know? He says, you stink like the hot tub. It's all over you. told you you got a simple mind. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not just sipping a little bit of God. It's not splashing around God. It's totally submerged, saturated, soaking in the things of God. Now, some of you say, I'm soaking. I love it. That's where I'm at. I'm in the soaking camp. I just love going to church. I love doing this and that. Hey, friend, I don't mean just soaking anything. You can soak in religion and not be living that at all. Not be true. I love our church. I love the church of the Nazarene. I'm a product of the church of the Nazarene. I I, I grew up going to every single thing you could. When I was seven days old, I was in my first revival. And seven days later, I was in my second. And seven days later, I was in my third. I had more church by the time I was 15 than most people have in their entire life. I mean, I, I I was saturated in church stuff over and over and over. But that didn't necessarily do anything for my heart. You could be saturated in your own idea of God, saturated in your own self-efforts of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about soaking in the presence of God. Now, here's what happens. You can't soak in the presence of God and stay the same. It gets in you. It begins to come out of your pores. It begins to change some things in your life. And I think the real reason when we look at do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself, I'm not so sure. The real reason is not because we don't know how. It's not because we don't know what. It's often because we're not so sure that who in Jesus Christ, we want Him to change some stuff in our life. We've hung on to some things that maybe we should have got rid of a long time ago, but if we're honest... We're not so sure we will ever let them go for the rest of our life. That kind of stuff every man and woman deals with only comes out and soaking in the presence of God. Oh, Pastor Brady, you're talking about those deep, dark, dirty secrets of addiction. 
One of my favorite ministries here at Grace Point is Celebrate Recovery. And in Celebrate Recovery, we talk about addictions. There's clean addictions and dirty addictions. And then we laugh. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter if society says they're clean or society says they're dirty. Anything we're addicted to other than Christ leads us away from Him. And so sometimes you go, oh, you're talking about those, those horrible things. I'm talking about pride. It's got to be boiled off in your life by saturating yourself in the presence of God. I'm talking about truly having an identity in Him and not looking for it in anyone and everywhere else. It can only happen when I'm saturated in His presence. Well, Brady, I'd like 792 points of how to do this. No. We can pray. We can read. We could soak in the presence of God and people who are following God. And before the time's over this morning, if you, if you generally need help in that, my wife and I want to help you in that. But, but for most of us in this room, that's not the question of dealing with this, is how do I do this and what do I need? Friends, do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You've been hearing it over and over and over your whole life. Most of us, not all of us, most of us. Well, if I'm saturated and soaking in God, then what? He'll give us a hunger. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Ever wondered why someone else around you has, a, has this insatiable hunger for God? What's with them? What's wrong with you? Nothing. See, here's what Satan wants to do. He wants to get on your shoulder in a message like this and say, Yeah, see? Ouch, that hurt. I shouldn't do that. See? If you were a good Christian like Pastor Brady is talking about, you'd be in hot tubs, you'd, you would hate burners, and you would never ever do jokes. See? You're a bad person. This is not about you doing more. It's about realizing that I need all of God that I can get. How much of God do you want? All that He wants to give me. Did I have enough? Yesterday, I need more today. I need to be saturated in His presence. I need to soak in His presence. This is not about punching my spiritual time card. It's saying, Jesus, I need to be with you until you come out my pores, until you begin to change some things, display some things in my life, boil some things off in my life. I need you, Jesus. And when this happens, He will change your heart. There'll be things that you've kept locked up in your attic for years upon years upon years and he's going to get them out not just to make you nice and neat and clean he wants to use you look at the last part of the scripture we've been studying today you see when we look at loving your neighbor as yourself we find that if you are soaked number three for taking notes if you are soaked in god's presence you will serve your neighbor it's going to happen well, I, I'm not outgoing. Well, I, I didn't ask you if you're outgoing. It's going to happen. Well, I, I'm not so sure I know how to do this. Well, I, I didn't ask you if you know how to do this, but you do know how to do this. If you're soaked in the things of God, He begins to change some things in you, and you will serve your neighbor. You will love your neighbor. And we start asking questions. Well, who? who is... Remember? The, the Pharisees begin to ask, who's my neighbor? See... Another way to get at the same thing is this. You will never truly desire to serve your neighbor if you are saturated with self-interest. Have you ever found yourself in the place where you, you, if you get real honest about serving your neighbor, loving your neighbor, and you go, I want to, Brady. I want to do that, but I don't want to. I wish I would have a passion to do that, but I get forgetful. I wish I, 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 I want to, but I don't want to. You'll never, ever have a desire to love your neighbor, reach your neighbor, serve your neighbor in Jesus' name if you are saturated in self-interest. You could be sitting in the hot tub of church and miss it completely. 
Oh, I got to tell you this. The Lord told me to tell you this. So uh, a, a few weeks ago, we were on vacation. I went with my wife. She's a school teacher, and she was taking 26 students to Europe. It was a vacation, I promise. And uh, no, it was good. And we're there in Europe, and one of the sites that we went to see was the Colosseum. And, and my major takeaway from, from Europe, many great things, is I had no idea how much I valued free bathrooms. Most places in Europe, you had to pay for a bathroom. And I was doing the calculations about $1.50 a bathroom. And so I made a decision uh, I'm going to just wait till I get to the hotel, it's free. And water, bottled water was, was a whole other deal. And it was about seven U.S. dollars, six, seven U.S. dollars for a bottle of water. And I could just stick my head under the faucet in the hotel room and get all my hydration that way. So I wasn't going to deal with it. So when we came up to the Colosseum to, to visit this place, uh, it was 97 degrees in Rome. It was hot. My bladder was full. I had to go to the bathroom. And I needed some water. But I wasn't about to pay seven bucks. It was a waste of money. But my wife, who was with me in the allotment that she had, she lives life in a much freer way, and she pays to go to the bathroom whenever she has to. And she didn't have one bottle of water. She's got two bottle of waters. I'm looking at it, it's like 14 bucks in her hands, but she was hydrated, and she's good. And so we get to the Coliseum, and all I can think is, I've got to go to the bathroom. It's hot. I'm thirsty, but I'm not about to drink, because then I've got to pay for the water and pay for the water to come out of me. I'm not going to do that. And then the tour guide said, we've got two and a half hours. And I misunderstood. I thought we were going to have two and a half hours in the Colosseum, and I did enough future study for this, advanced study for this. I knew we couldn't go into certain parts, and so I thought there's like 35, 40 minutes to look at here, not two and a half hours. This isn't going to work. Carrie and I both were at the Colosseum. The rest of my life, I can say I was at the Colosseum. I did not experience the Colosseum the way Carrie experienced Colosseum. She's taking pictures, looking at everything, taking a panoramic picture, taking selfies. We've got selfies all over the continent, all over the place, selfies everywhere. I'm saying, okay, good, we got it, let's go. Let's get on the next. I was there, but I wasn't. I checked it off the list, but I wasn't saturated. <laughs> saturated with other things. I wasn't saturated with the experience. I'm not asking you, did you show up to church every week? God help us, we get fed that way. One of the ways we are fed, Sure. You can be here and not be here. You can read the Bible and not read the Bible. You can close your eyes and let words come out of your mouth that sound like prayer, but not really be talking to God or not really listening for God. Friend, we are to be saturated in Him. When we never, ever saturate ourselves with God, we can't expect that we'll have a desire to love others. And finally here, well, two more. To truly love God, you've got to love others. What this means is, you can't love God if you're not loving on your neighbor, serving your neighbor. I love this soaking thing, Brady. This is right down my alley. I get my favorite worship music. I get my Bible open. I get my prayer list out. And Jesus and I have a great time. This is so good. And you just stay in the hot tub. Here's the thing. You soak in the presence of God. He gets you out of your comfort zone. He didn't soak you so you can be nice and spiritual and just a really good citizen. He gets you out to use you and love on somebody else. You cannot love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And be so preoccupied with yourself. But the flip is true. You can't truly love other people without truly loving and being saturated in the things of God. Oh, you can give them a gift card. Oh, you can do kind things. Oh, you can be nice. You may win some friends, but you will never truly love that person, impact the person the way God has called you to if you are not saturated in Him. And here's a final thought. I may shut up. Maybe. When I was putting together this last point here, it crossed my mind this is not how you're supposed to end a sermon. Everything I was taught, you don't do this. 
But this is what the Scripture said, so we're going to do it anyway. It was supposed to give you options and supposed to, to leave you on a high note and, and supposed to make you feel good. Okay, this is the, the Scripture. That in, this is what I get. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every part of you. Don't sip. Don't splash around in it. Soak in the things of God. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is not an option. This is a command. So this isn't, well, pick. You want a little bit of God? Go for the burners. You want a little bit of splash? Go ahead and take the romance down your marriage and throw it all over and just splash things on God. Do that kind of thing. Oh, I'd like to soak up things of church and God. No, 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 no. If you love Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you already know this. You've heard it. I told you you've known this. I'm not asking you to learn something new. I'm asking you to ask the question, has this captured my life? Is this gotten me? Is this why I exist? When I'm around people, do they smell this on my pores? Is it coming out of every part of my being? I am saturated with Almighty God Himself, not because I deserve it, not because I have earned it, because I am humbly in His presence. He meets me at the place of my sin. He meets me at the place of my confession, my repentance, and my desperate brokenness before God. I I am saturated. His blood is still saturating me to this very day. His, His price that He's paid for me. And it's to keep me focused on His mission, loving somebody else. What's your job? You're a pastor. Wrong. I'm a Jesus lover. That's why it's my mission. It's not an option. It's a command. Well, as we come to a conclusion, sometimes we come to a moment like this, and as I said earlier, we say, but how? Well, if you'd like to talk about how to be saturated with the things of God, my wife and I will be up here, and we'd love to talk with you about some discipleship things. We can talk about how to do that. Because if that's a sincere, honest question, we want to help you with that. But many in this room, you don't need more points of how. You don't need more points on what. We need to look at who and, and why that should be so important. As Pastor Edgar comes and we get ready to close this morning. If you're here today and you've sensed the Lord speaking to you, Maybe it's been a conviction about something you've heard your whole life about love God with everything in you and love others around you. Not complicated, very simple. Not easy, but very simple. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I have soaked in the things of God at one point, but if I find myself being honest right now, I'm just kind of picking and choosing. I'm just trying to sip the things of God that I want. (laughs) It's too strong. It's costing too much. It's asking too much. I can't do that. Not at this stage of life. Friend, I'm not trying to make light of your situation. God's not mad at you. He's not wanting you to earn more or do more. He says, would you just come and sit in my presence? Don't schedule it out on your iPhone. We're going to do it here in just a minute. You may want to meet God at this altar and say, Jesus, I'm here just to soak in you. I need you to pour your grace over me. Maybe you're here today. I love God with everything in me. That's why I tell everybody what to do. That's why I have judgments for everybody else. You know what's at the, the root core of that most of the time? Not all the time, most of the time. I'm going to tell you what to do because I'm pretty sure that something's wrong with me. God, God doesn't love me. I don't want this to get back on me because I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I can't. Most of the time people don't say it that way. That's there. Jesus loves you so much. He's not angry at you. He says, why would you want to splash me around everywhere when my intent is to saturate you? 
Maybe you're here this morning, you go, Brady, I'm in the tub. I'm here. I'm singing. I'm worshiping. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm growing. It's great. Good. How much of God do you want? You know what Jesus told me this last week? Well, that's right now. Jesus, what are you saying to me? He says, I want you to spend more time with me. I'm not real proud about what I wrote in my journal. I wish I didn't write it down so I didn't have to remember it. But I told my brothers who I'm accountable to this week, I wrote down, are you kidding me? Doesn't sound very spiritual. And I began to write out my schedule for God as if he didn't know what was going on. I said, no, 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 no. You showed up at the Coliseum, Brady, but you were there, but you weren't there. I want you to soak in me, not because you have to punch a time card, but I want to put some things in you that others are going to need. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I've, been, I've been soaking in him, but he's called me for more. Maybe. You've wondered what all this soaking in Jesus is about and the light's coming on today. Maybe it's beginning to grip your heart for the first time. This is not about just cleaning the bad things out of your life. Well, that happens. It's about pointing you in the direction of loving on people, not out of your own works, not out of your, your good intentions, but out of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that's oozing out of you. We've talked about this hundreds of times. We'll talk about it more through the years. But in this moment, you are ready to let God get all of you. And you say, God, would you get me with your truth? Would you totally con- con- convey all all this in my heart in a way that my job is an excuse to love on people. My family gatherings is an excuse to love on people. My resources is an excuse to love on people. If you're here today and you sense God's tug at your heart, I want to invite you just to kneel at this altar with me and just for a few moments we want to call on God and let Him pour His presence on us. If that's you, I want you to stand up Don't wait for anybody else right now. Step out and come and meet me at this altar. Don't do it because I'm just telling you to. That's silliness. You already know. The Lord's speaking to your heart. He's already given you a hunger. You just come. What will people think? Probably think you're hungering and thirsting after God. They'll probably think bad things about me. They'll probably think that you're pressing into God. If you're hungry for the Lord, if you sense He's stirring your heart, Let's meet at the altar of prayer. If, if you love Jesus and you're not feeling that stirring, that's okay. Would you stand with us? Pastor Edgar is going to lead us in this song. Pastor Edgar, would you lead us in, Lord, I need you. I think we did that today. We're just going to linger for just a couple moments. We're going to pray. But if God's tugging on your heart, come. Let's kneel. And let's cry out to him together.